Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. Numero dos for the audio mailbag podcast. And Brandon is here with me as usual. And Brandon, I'm pumped for this episode. We had a lot of great questions. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. I'm really looking forward to this discussion. Yeah, I mean, just the questions that you guys kept on submitting. And even to, you know, we do this podcast on Wednesday. And we had questions coming in the day of today and we're just like man how are we going to get all these questions in there but we, i think we got the best ones in here and we're just we're gonna get ready to do this are, are you ready for this brand let's do it let's go let's do it and our first question comes from kenny from decatur illinois and we're also going to answer sunny's question from chicago in here and he mentioned um if if the fan base is actually split on mitch trubisky and does that pressure basically affect him so here's uh kenny's question Hey guys, uh, this is Kenny from uh, Decatur, Illinois, original home of the Chicago Bears. Uh, my question for you guys was, I see a lot of people and sports personalities ripping on Trubisky because he's not playing as well as Mahomes or Deshaun Watson or you know the other people in his draft class. And my question is, do you guys think that's fair to judge, uh, I know it's frustrating as Bears fans to watch these other quarterbacks do really well on their teams, but do you think that uh, comparison is fair uh, since Trubisky, you know, had less college starts and stuff like that? I was just wondering your guys' opinion on all the scrutiny 
uh, towards Mitch Trubisky uh, since these other quarterbacks in his draft class are uh, playing so well. And yeah, that's about it. That's a great question, Kenny. And um, do do I think it's fair to judge Mitch Trubisky? I guess yes and no. Uh, He obviously is in the same draft class with these guys, Mahomes and Watson, and he's always going to have those comparisons. But when you really think about it, Look, these guys have had more experience in college, have been now they're in their second year with their offensive systems in Houston and in Kansas City. And Mitch Trubisky is doing this all for the first time with a new offensive coordinator with, you know, also being his head coach of Matt Nagy, all these different playmakers that he has to get accustomed to. And he's had, what, a couple of months to do that. So having these high expectations for, you know, a second year QB, in which I did coming into the season. But I didn't expect him to be great to start off the season. I mean, to be completely honest, it's really unfair. He does have a defense, and I think that also has given him pressure to want to see success early on for Trubisky. But it's not fair to actually compare him to these two quarterbacks. And Watson really hasn't had a really good start to the season. Let's be completely honest in 2018. He blew the league by storm last season, and Mahomes is doing that right now. But eventually, the Mahomes is going to come down to earth. And Trubisky's going to need to take time, and that's okay. Bears fans just need to realize that. But, Brandon, what do you think about this whole, do you think it's fair to judge Mitch Trubisky based off of Mahomes and Watson's success? First of all, I want to plug in Mark's article here because I think it's a good spot to do it. Uh, I'll send you guys you know, over to our website to read it instead of giving you the lowdown of the article. He does a very good job of comparing Trubisky to other quarterbacks throughout the league, not just these two guys that you mentioned here, Kenny. Uh, but I'll point you to there. Uh, because there's a little more in-depth there with more quarterbacks, and it's, it's a really good read, uh, so I'll point you guys there. But what I think, no, it's absolutely not fair, uh, and here's why. I mean, we need to take the blinders off. Uh, I mean, we're just kind of comparing. I mean, they're in the same draft class, so that's understandable. But in the grand scheme of things, I mean, I'll, I'll break these guys down individually real quick here. I mean, Deshaun Watson, and I'll, I'll break it down in college and his professional time as well uh, for all three of these guys. Uh, Deshaun Watson in college, he played two full seasons, which was 30 total games. And as a freshman, he played eight games through 137 passes. So I'm going to count that as some sort of experience for him as far as total games go. And in those last two seasons, he played at Clemson. He won back-to-back championships against Alabama, who consistently year in and year out, very good NFL-type ready rosters. Uh, so he, and from the beginning, he's always looked like the, the most quarterback talent ready um, like most ready to make that jump to the NFL. And I even said that in our, our pre combine show uh, a couple years ago when that draft came around, I, you know, I mentioned four guys who I'm looking at in the first round and only one of them was an offensive player and it was Deshaun Watson. And that, for that reason, he just looked the most ready. So then in the, in the draft, he gets drafted uh, to Houston. They're coached by Bill O'Brien, who had a long list of coaching stops. And one of them in 2007, uh, most notably, he spent time with the Patriots, but most notably in 2007, he was quarterback coach for Tom Brady. And then Deshaun Watson, he's played nine NFL games. He suffered the knee injury. So for a grand total of 39 games, uh, he's played so far since since college, I mean, including college. And on top of getting drafted into a guy who's, you know, he's got experience with one of the best quarterbacks in the league, with one of the best coaches in the league. So he's being set up for success there right away. Most NFL-ready talent out of the draft that year, in my opinion. Then you look at Patrick Mahomes, who in college, he played two full seasons there at Texas Tech, total 25 games. And the pros, he gets drafted by, I'm going to call an offensive juggernaut. You know, he gets to sit and learn under Alex Smith, Matt Nagy, who was 
the Chiefs' then offensive coordinator and head coach Andy Reid, who's also very aggressive offensively, uh, play calling. And they didn't move a lot of pieces in the offseason. So he already had chemistry with a lot of these guys from last year. And so his total games uh, from this year, because he didn't play last year, and then the two seasons at Texas Tech, he's played 27 games. So then you look at Trubisky. You know, in college, he played one full season in 2016, 13 games. Then in the pros, he gets drafted to a lethargic offensive scheme uh, and coaches that didn't really trust him, and let alone even know that he was being drafted when we traded up for him. Uh, so then he gets thrown into this new system with new coaches, new players around him. You know, and that's a whole total of 14 games. So Mahomes and Watson both have, you know, pretty much twice the amount of experience since college that Trubisky has. So they might have got drafted in the same class, but they're in different stages of their career still. And that's why it's really not fair to compare these guys. When you look at it in the big picture of things, I think if we take the blinders off and don't just look at the first two weeks, I mean, I don't think there was any way that Trubisky was going to be absolutely ready with the new offense, new players around him to be able to compete like these two are because they're just familiar with their offenses already. Those are great points there, Brandon. And to go back to Sonny's question, and just mentioning if the fan base is split about Trubisky and it, it, you know, I don't know if it's split, but it's getting pretty close because just like on our post game podcast, you see on Twitter, you see these, you know, media personalities just saying, you know, Trubisky might not be the guy, or if they had somebody else like a Mahomes or Watson, that the bears would be super bowl contenders, stuff like that. But it's, it's crazy to see that this fan base, even though the bears just won a game, they won the game. You wouldn't know it from reading all these comments saying that Trubisky isn't the guy he, I don't know if he has it in him. It's look what Mahomes and Watson are doing, but it's close to being split, which is crazy. It, like you said, 14 career starts in the NFL and Trubisky's all, already getting this negative criticism for not being maybe a franchise quarterback. Give the guy some time because he's still a young guy. This is his first time in this system with all these new players playing, you know, with an actual good coach who's putting him in positions to succeed. He's going to struggle early on. It's going to happen. But I think he's got a lot of upside. He just needs to get to know this offense. Like like we've said before in previous podcasts, Alex Smith took two two to three years to learn Matt Nagy's system, Andy Reid's system. Trubisky has had 14 games. Or he's had two games. Sorry, two, two games. games yeah. Two games. He had, yeah, 12 other games in a system that no quarterback should ever be in. I don't <laughs> even want to mention those guys. But that's the difference here. So is it fair to compare them? I don't think so. Is the fan base fan base split? It, it, it kind of looks like it, which is unfortunate. What, would, what do you say to that? Yeah, I mean, it absolutely is unfortunate. I don't know if it adds pressure to his progression or not. I think that he knows that he has to stick to the process or whatever that term is that people are using now in the NBA that, you know, don't pay trust attention the to or trust, trust the process. The we were just talking about the NBA before we went live, okay. and I knew it was something with the 76ers there. But regardless, I think that's really what he has to do. Because we see in these, and this is a question that comes up later, uh, spoiler alert, I'll do it even in the, the not live shows, uh, these scripted plays, I mean, he sees those, I think, most first, and that's why those look really good early on, uh, and then he just kind of tails off the end because he's just not familiar with the playbook yet. Uh, so we really have to deplore patience here, uh, utilize our patience. Uh, it, it's not going to come together this year. Uh, you know, bringing in Cleo Mack, did we have these expectations for Trubisky to be able to take the the next step? I mean, yeah, we talked about it, but I don't want to say that my expectations were there because I had to see it to believe it. And so far, I think he has taken more of a step than some people realize because the defense is so good. You know, people want the offense to match it. And because you want it doesn't mean it's necessarily going to happen. Really good points there. And you good segue into our second question. It comes from Brett from Michigan. Also talking about Mitch Trubisky. Brett, here's your question. 
Hey guys, this is Brad from Michigan. Uh, Mitch had a really good start last night. He started on a 97 yard drive, really good, no picks. And then uh, you see him again. He starts to struggle on the second, third, fourth drive. What do you guys think that is? The inconsistency on the later drive? Do you think it's not the scripted plays, or what do you think that is? And how can Matt Nagy uh, change that and have more consistency through a lot of drives? Thanks. Have a good one. Brett, that's a good question. It was kind of the one that I alluded the spoiler alert to, so I'm just going to go ahead and hop into it. And like I said earlier, it's it's just going to come with time. I mean, if I were to guess, like I said, he sees those scripted plays to start practice every day, so that way the chemistry there is there, the timing is there, and that's why it looks really, really good from the beginning uh, because then that puts points on the board and puts the pressure on the opposing team You know, to almost have to turn around and get points so that way they're not getting down 20 to nothing or 10 to 3 at halftime like we've seen already. The Bears put up on the scoreboard at halftime because – they put that first drive together and it looks really good. It's takes time. It's a sustained drive. And that's why I think it, it goes so well. But then after that, I mean, I just don't think Trubisky has seen enough of the playbook uh, to be able to comfortably run the entirety of the offense. And I think that they trust him with it. It's just, it's going to come with time seeing the routes more often uh, being aware of game time situation. There's a lot that's going through his mind. And I think that really just time is really going to help him with this. Yeah, I agree with that. And to answer your uh, question, Brett, like why is he struggling on these second, third, and fourth drives of the game? Well, it goes again to what you were saying, Brandon. When In practice, the Bears are going to try to perfect these scripted plays. This is how they want to start off the game, start off hot. And Mitch Trubisky is going through all of his read, all of his progressions in practice there. So when it comes game time, it's just it's second nature almost. And that's why these scripted plays and the Bears have scored on opening drives and back-to-back games now, which is – you know, some of the Bears didn't do all of la- or maybe at all. not yeah, at all last year. I don't remember the last time it was, yeah. but it look it looks great. So again, it goes to getting more experience. And I know maybe people might allude to the Kansas City game. No, that's not what I'm talking about. It just comes with more experience in general, learning this offense, right. learning the entirety of the playbook, how Matt Nagy's gonna call plays, and just with Mitch Trubisky developing, where's after his first read is, you know, covered up, let's say Allen Robinson, who he, who's been liking to go to so far this season, once he's covered up, he needs to learn how to just progress and go to the second guy. And that's going to take time. That's what, that's what we were kind of alluding to. And, you know, the first question, just give Trubisky, give the kid some time. And again, back to Mark's article about, you know, giving Trubisky time. That's what I think um, will help Trubisky and, uh, just uh, how can Matt Nagy maybe change this so he has more consistency? Uh, again, Matt Nagy is trying to put Trubisky in positions to succeed, and he's doing that. You see a lot of these short passing plays, and Trubisky in that second half against the Seattle Seahawks looked really good because, again, there's not so many options. It's throw it here. It's not a very far route, but that will that will all improve once Trubisky, Matt Nagy, this entire offense just gains that co- uh, that chemistry. And they're still trying to create that. But um, do you have any, I guess, tips or like how Matt Nagy can maybe change the consistency so it kind of looks more like scripted plays or any insight on that, Brandon? I I think that it would help to have an adjusted set of scripted plays to start the second half and then put the pressure on again right out of halftime. Uh, I mean, because you get through the first half and you kind of get a feel for how the game's going to go. You know what kind of plays they're running you know the defense is going to make an adjustment uh so if you know like in the scripted play set like okay these worked well i mean we could show that same set and run a similar different route or something along those lines but i think there needs to be some sort of adjusted script plays coming out of halftime or at the end of a quarter 
or in the last two minutes. I mean, something that uh, Trubisky has seen throughout practice enough that he's going to be comfortable enough running it in a pressure situation or just trying to really put the pressure on the opposing team coming out of halftime. I think that that would be incredibly nice to see, and it may not be consistent throughout the entirety of the game because the defense is going to make their adjustments. And we kind of seen how Matt Nagy, I guess, struggles with making adjustments, I guess. I don't think that's really fair to say after two games, uh, but most notably the Green Bay game where it seemed like the offense just didn't really change much. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Much, I think you know they got a little more conservative with the play calling. Uh, we kind of seen it again with Seattle but again. I don't think that's 100% fair to say he's not making adjustments because we haven't seen enough yet. It's a small sample size, but I think if he can, I really think if he can find a way. If or if Helfrich can find a way, whoever's making the play calls, the opposite guy find a way to get some scripted plays, watch what's working, be able to develop something going into halftime. I think that would really make a big difference as far as setting the tone for the second half of games. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And you know that again, it's going to come down to just having more time, more experience. I don't know how much I can just allude to that being a huge factor. Just give it a just take some time, fans. It's it's two games yes. into the season. <laughs> Let's see what ends up happening when they're in week you know, 15, 16. So our third question comes from John from Hawaii. He also has questions about the offense, more specifically uh, Matt Nagy's offensive scheme. John, here's your question. Hey guys, this is John from Hawaii. And I was wondering what your thoughts were on Matt Nagy's new offensive scheme so far. I personally, I, I like what he's doing, but I feel like we should take more shots down the field and that'll open up the run game better. I'd like to hear what you think. Thanks. I personally, I like what Matt Nagy has done in two games so far there. You can obviously be critical about some of the things he's done, maybe not running the ball enough with Jordan Howard, but the creativity has got to have a lot of Bears fans excited. Just seeing all these different formations, people moving around the entire offense with motion and having Trey Burton on, you know, little pitch plays the where he scored in, against Seattle. So I like that because... Again, that keeps a defense on its toes. You don't know what's coming next. Where What I will say, though, with I know you alluded to maybe taking more shots down the field. Yes, I do think that would open up the, the running game. But still, Trubisky needs to feel comfortable taking those shots down the field. And I know there's a lot of this talk about calculated risk, which is great. But again, Matt Nagy is calling plays that Trubisky is comfortable with. And if he's comfortable comfortable with the short game, just kind of picking apart defense, you know, uh, seven yards at a time, whatever it may be, that's what he's going to have to run so far so Trubisky is comfortable. And it's later in the season, I think we'll see those, you know, calculated risks, those deep shots down the field. We kind of saw that with the Allen Robinson throw, which Trubisky, you know, if he sets his feet, probably gets it to where he wants it to be, ended up getting intercepted. But still, uh, those deep shots will come. Right now, it's a lot of short passes, but I do like what Matt Nagy's doing overall. Again, I think we'll see more running plays, we haven't seen a lot with Jordan Howard, especially because in the CLC Seahawks game, I know we, we talked about the Bears should have a successful day 
running the football. They end up not doing that. And a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, maybe the offensive line not getting those blocks that was necessary. But Matt Nagy was calling a lot of passes on first down, which not a bad thing, but you want to see it more uh, maybe 50-50 where it could be a run, could be a pass. Again, keeping the defense on his toes. But Brandon, what do you think about Matt Nagy's offensive scheme? And do you think that the offense overall should take more shots downfield? Yeah, I mean, I like, like you said, I like the creativeness of it because the defense doesn't know what to expect playing and play out. I mean, we've shown the same set a couple times throughout games, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a normal set. We've seen Charles Leno line up at wide receiver twice. <laughs> you know, we've seen the T formation. We've seen a bunch of tight end sets. I mean, we've seen a whole bunch of things that I wouldn't, you know, you would never see under the old regime. And I'm not going to mention the names because we said we're never going to do that again. <laughs> um, but I, I like the creativeness. And I like the, the aggression. I mean, I haven't gone back and watched tape after the game uh yet this year i've had some some busy time i guess outside of this uh to keep me from watching that kind of tape uh but i would be willing to bet that there is a deep route or intermediate route being run at least by one guy every time because matt Nagy likes to spread the field there's a lot of speed on this team a lot of good route runners and i bet that you know matt Nagy knows that and he's trying to spread the field as much as he can it's just a matter of getting guys into space and Trubisky feels a lot more comfortable right now hitting those five to six yard routes and getting guys in space that way. And uh, the deep shots will come. I really think it will. He just, we got to give it time. Just like, you know, the, I guess the, we could call that the title of the show, give it time. I don't know, something like that. But regardless, those will come. And Trubisky's just going to be able to recognize it. Like, I like that he took the shot one on one with Allen Robinson. He threw the interception to, to Griffin on that one. But that was a calculated risk. And there's pressure from the backside. He threw it, you know, Kind of unorthodoxly, I guess, when you look at his feet, uh, got a little happy feet, seen Allen Robinson one-on-one, and he took it. And that's totally fine that he throws the interception because he recognized that his number one guy is one-on-one. I would like him to take that shot more often. And even if you know he doesn't get enough air under it, something we've seen time and time again, uh, gets intercepted here and there. And if, if he's going to miss and make sure it's only going to be where his guy can get it, uh, but at the end of the day, if he's got those chances one-on-one, I'd like to see him continue to take that. Don't let the interception, you know, uh, hinder his decision making there. Exactly. And we also got to account for where Matt Nagy's actually called really good plays and Trubisky at times just hasn't been able to deliver. Like we, we talk right. about the Taylor Gabriel play. Maybe you go back to the screenshot of Trey Burton. Maybe if he could fit that ball in there. So I think the, the play calling overall, I think it definitely got better from week one to week two. And now mm-hmm. it's just about executing, you know, executing these plays. So I think I like where it's going. Definitely incorporate more Jordan Howard running the football because this team is built to run the football, especially in the interior with Kyle Long, Cody Whitehair, Eric Cush, which should be James Daniels, but we, we can talk about <laughs> that later. Um, yeah, so he's Matt Nagy's going through this for the first time as a head coach. He's learning. Mitch Trubisky is learning. This offense is learning. So let's give it some time, like we've alluded to maybe like 12 <laughs> times already, but that's really the case right now. So to flip the script now, we're going to go back to Brett from Michigan, and now he has a question about the defense. Here you go, Brett. Hey, guys. This is Brett from Michigan. I was just wondering, uh, how do you think uh, Kyle Fuller is playing right now? He got a big contract, $56 million over four years, $14 million a year. That's a lot for a cornerback. I've been seeing him get beat pretty consistently, missing open, open interception last week, and then got beat in the corner of the end zone this week, not turning around. How do you think he's playing, and how can that turn around? Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Brett, that's a really valid question. And, you know, honestly, I think he's playing pretty well right now. 
Uh, you called out his two biggest blunders so far this season, you know, with the dropped interception. Uh, but that pass in the end zone, I mean, that was placed right where it had to be for anyone other than Tyler Lockett uh, to make that catch. And if you notice, you know, Kyle Fuller isn't always the fastest guy out there on the field. And that's why he consistently plays with a big cushion from the line of scrimmage. Uh, it's like you said, I mean, he, I agree. He does need to get his head turned around and he's got to know where he's out on the field to be able to turn his head around. Cause you get close enough to the end zone there, you know, you got to at least make a look. And I don't know that he made a look there on that play uh, that was dropped in there to tire Lockett for that touchdown. But overall, it's not a big issue for me because he's only got four tackles on the year, uh, two in each game. And Prince of Mukamara has nine. So that tells me that quarterbacks aren't looking Kyle Fuller's way to throw it because he's playing really good coverage. And even that one that was dropped in there in the end zone, I mean, like I said in the postgame show, I mean, California was on Lockett like stink on crap. Uh, so, I mean, I, you go back even to the to the Monday night game, uh, that last fumble that Trevathan created, Wilson in the pocket looks towards Fuller's direction first, and that's what forces him to step up. Trevathan tackles him, forces the fumble. And then even on the pick six that Amukamara had, uh, Kyle Fuller, his guy is running a curl route as well. And he jumps it at about the same exact time that Amukamara does. And I don't know whether or not he would make that interception if it's thrown that way, because we've seen him drop more than he's made. Because, I mean, we've seen it, though. You know, in your question here, the, the Green Bay game, he dropped that interception. I don't know if he makes it in this instance if Russell Wilson throws it his way. But regardless, he was right there because he jumped it at the same exact time Prince did. Because, I mean, they watched the tape on that play. And it's one that they ran previously, the Seahawks did the week before, and they knew that play was coming at some point late in game situation. And they were, they, both of them were ready for it. So I don't think necessarily that Fuller struggles uh, really much at all right now. I think he's playing really well. Uh, he just needs to be more aware of his field awareness and when he's going to be able to have to turn his head to look for the football, like when he gets close to the end zone. So overall, I think he's playing really well, but just, I mean, the one instance where he needs to turn his head, I mean, he just kind of fell behind the receiver because he's not the fastest guy out there. So overall, I think he's playing better than some may give him credit for. Yeah, and the big thing here, I think, with Kyle Fuller is the contract that he signed. I think it was four years, 50-plus million, whatever the exact number is. That's where people are expecting. And I think, you know, it's rightfully so that people are expecting, okay, there's that interception that Aaron Rodgers should have had. Kyle Fuller needs to make that catch. Or he's big plays down the field to Geronimo Allison, Tyler Lockett. Kyle Fuller's got to find a way to, you know, maybe dislodge that pass, not have it, you know, end up being a touchdown. But here, that was, those are two incredible passes from two, you know, great, great quarterbacks. And Kyle Fuller is literally on them. And there's only one spot, like you said, Brandon, where um, the ball can end up and it ends up in Tyler Lockett's hand. So that's what people are looking at and saying maybe it wasn't worth Kyle Fuller getting this contract. They should have gone away from him. Maybe the Packers should have taken him in the offseason. No, I don't think that's the case. I think overall, he's played well. He's been uh, you know, where he needs to be. Now it's just about making the plays, executing. Like we just said in the last question, just executing plays, just turning your head around at the last second to find this ball because these quarterbacks can definitely fit it into you know the tightest of windows. So I think Kyle Fuller definitely will rebound from this and he's a guy you know next play mentality and that's what he needs that's exactly what you need to have as a corner I don't think those touchdowns uh, shook him up in any way I know that um, Adam Johnson sometimes was saying that Kyle Fuller after the Green Bay game was like uh, out of the zone but hey that was a very disappointing loss for the whole entire Bears team it wasn't just Kyle Fuller giving up that game but I like how he's playing Again, he just needs to capitalize on making those maybe game-changing plays, and I think he will. His contract is definitely saying that he should, 
But yeah, I think he's definitely a good reason as to why this defense is playing how it is. Like you alluded to those plays where um, Russell Wilson's looking his way, but mo- who knows if that's a pick or not? Right. Because Kyle Fuller is right there. So I, I do like how he's playing, and I think he definitely can turn it around uh, later in the season, hopefully against the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday. All right, we're going to go to another defensive question. And this question comes from Elliot from California. Elliot, here's your question. Hey, Bears Brothers. This is Elliot from California. I have a quick question. Um, considering that we just played two of the best quarterbacks probably in the league, other than maybe Tom Brady, uh, what would be a realistic expectation for the defense to hold other quarterbacks' offenses to? Like, how many points do you expect maybe the defense to give up a game on average? Keep up the great work. Love the podcast. Elliot, the defense is what everybody is talking about, and rightfully so, because this defense, this Bears defense, especially in the first half of games, has just been dominant with the sacks, the interceptions, and just everything that they're doing right now. It's it's looking really good for the Bears, uh, you know, just going forward with this season. And especially since, like you mentioned it in the question, they played these top-tier QBs in Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and have had success for the most part against them you know, take away that second half against Green Bay. It looked really promising. Um, But for real expectations, you know, just look to next week. Look into this next game where you have a statuesque quarterback in Sam Bradford who's brittle, someone who has not had a lot of success in this Arizona Cardinals offense early on. This, I mean, expectations, I think that if you can keep Russell Wilson from not scoring a touchdown until the fourth quarter of that Monday night game, Sam Bradford's not throwing any touchdowns. Let's be completely <laughs> honest. Let's be completely honest. And I think um, this defense, for in order for it to take that that next step, it's not play three quarters of football where the the opposing offense is not doing anything. It's playing four quarters of football, the entire yes. game. And we we've seen that before here in Chicago, where whether it's maybe the 2006 Chicago Bears or 2010 when they went to the NFC Championship game, where de- the defense, even though the offense wasn't doing anything they still were able to shut down an opposing offense. So maybe real ex- real expectations in terms of the numbers, maybe holding a, an opposing team to, I don't know, maybe 17 points per game. That would If that was the case for this Bears defense, they were to end the year with 17 points per game, that would put them in about third place last year among regular season defenses with only Minnesota's being better with allowing 15.8 points per game. And then the Jaguars with 16.8. And those happen to be the two teams. And going back to the Monday night football game, they showed a, a graphic where they put uh, which defenses have put the most money uh, in their defenses. And both those teams were up there with the Bears. So I would maybe have them around 17 points per game. And that's good enough to win you ball games. I think this offense can put up more than 17 and still be able to close out a, you know, an entire game and not just for three quarters of football like we've seen or maybe two and a half, three, however you want to put it. But I think those are my expectations, and especially going with the quarterback play, which, which is not going to be Aaron Rodgers for until December 16th when they play him at Soldier Field. And you're not going to play another Russell Wilson. I think the Bears defense should be able to lock down some teams. What do you think, Brandon? Yeah, especially uh, upcoming here against Arizona because when Will and I talked to Mr. Jess Root of the Arizona podcast last night, uh, he didn't sound all that confident at all in his team uh, to score points. So, I mean, I think in this upcoming game, I think we can hold them to 10 points. Uh, I'll just be 100% honest. That's just the way it sounds when you look at the Cardinals. Uh, they've scored, I think, what was it, 
six points. Six points you know, all season. All season, yeah. So, I mean, if they give up more than 10, then the defense kind of needs to reconsider. <laughs> you know, maybe they slept on them that week. I have no idea. But I think that they can really hold Arizona uh, to single digits or 10 points at the most, I think. Uh, but regardless for the whole year, I mean, I think you're right on. I think 17 is is a pretty good number because – uh, we're going to see, especially here in the NFC North, we're going to see three really good quarterbacks, and it's going to be hard to really limit them. Uh, and last year, the defense, I mean, they played well for three quarters, and they had the the one big quarter that they gave up 10, 17, sometimes 20 points. Uh, and that's something that with the addition of Cleo Mack, I think that that's really going to be eliminated. I mean, we've seen it against Green Bay, but that is against, uh, like you said in your question here, you know, maybe one of the best quarterbacks, you know, out there. Uh, so, I mean, I think that, the defense really has things set up well for them. They've got a lot of good pieces in a lot of good places, some really good rotation for the pass rushers. And I think that's really going to limit teams under 20 points. And we've seen that Matt Nagy can easily put up. I don't say easily because uh, <laughs> I think it took a, a little bit of more work against Seattle there uh, and Green Bay because once we got to 20, offense kind of kind of stuttered a little bit. Uh, but we can get 220, and that should be enough to win ballgames. I think this defense is definitely good enough uh, to hold teams under 20 for the most part. So I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, Nick, you touched on a lot of the points I want to take, so I'm kind of out of words here. But I think 17 is a really spot on. Uh, the addition of Klumak is absolutely huge. So that's that's the difference between last year's defense and this year's defense is they would give up sometimes 20 points in a quarter. I think Klumak doesn't let that happen this year. Yeah, and another point to make here is that this defense is still, I guess there are certain players that are still coming into their own. And I mean, what I mean by that is that Khalil Mack, again, he didn't have an offseason to train. He just came in and dominated Green Bay from the start. And, you know, he's still, I think, getting acclimated to the game. It's only the second game in, you know, since last year. Then you have a guy like Roquan Smith who also missed the offseason. He's still learning the plays all and just where he needs to be. And once those guys... Um, just get acclimated to Vic Fangio's defense and, you know, they're conditioned all the way, then you can see this defense really flourish into what we expect it to be for the entirety of the season. So that is really exciting. And another guy that, um, you know, is coming into his own for this Vic Fangio defense is mentioned in our last question of the night. And that's from Corey from Naples, Florida. Corey, here's your question. Hey, guys. It's Corey down in Naples, Florida. Uh, my question for you is about Aaron Lynch. It's pretty excited last week to see him uh, show up. I know he had the one sack, but he just seemed to be uh, consistently getting in the backfield when he was on the field. Um, are you guys excited about this, and do you think this is going to help later in the game um, with rotations when the defense seems like they're uh, getting a little tired? Thanks, guys. Corey, if you would have asked this question a few months ago or even three weeks ago, <laughs> I told you no. <laughs> But after after week one, I mean, I mentioned in, in the, that post game show, you know, Aaron Lynch kind of made somewhat of an impact. He was able to get there in the backfield. Uh, I think he only had one tackle in that game, but he was close to making some other plays throughout that game. And I was I was excited at that point. I was like, Aaron Lynch is better than I think we're giving him credit for. I mean, it's hard to give a guy credit when he doesn't play again, uh, like Cleo Mack and Roquan Smith. Except this is a little different with an injury prone guy. It's hard to give him credit when he really doesn't have a whole lot of experience. Uh, or time in the off season to, to show us anything. So no, I wasn't really all that excited for him. I was when we, when we picked him up, found out he's injured again, then he comes out, has a pretty good showing against green Bay really has a better showing. Uh, I think against Seattle, I mean, he's just strong. I mean, Cleo Mack can get around tackles with one arm. 
It, it takes Aaron Lynch too. He's not quite that strong, but once he gets, you know, some room between him and the tackle, I mean, he's got speed and some different moves, really good hand fighter uh, to be able to get in the backfield and create some, some tackles for a loss or to get to the quarterback. He may not always be there to get the sack right away or that tackle for loss right away, but he's the one that's going to be the first one there. Uh, I don't want to say more times than that, but on a, a decent amount of, of plays, he's going to be the guy that's back there forcing the running back or the quarterback to flush out of the pocket or take a different gap. So I, I like what he brings, and I'm really excited to see him continue to grow into his own here. Yeah, so to answer your question, Corey, am I excited? Absolutely. Another guy that can get to the quarterback, and to be, to be completely honest, Aaron Lynch, I had no expectations for because one, we didn't see the guy, and you're just like, is he even? I remember saying on the podcast, oh, he's still on the team. Uh, you know, and obviously being sarcastic, I knew he's on the team, but we just didn't see anything from him. But the showing that he had against Seattle is promising because Cleo Mack is not going to get to the quarterback every single play, even though, I mean, he almost has, which is kind of crazy. But <laughs> and especially with Leonard Floyd right now with that cast, and I heard that he's supposed to maybe get a smaller one going into this week against Arizona, which will be great for him. But Aaron Lynch is if he can be another factor that defenses have to account for collapse a pocket gets you know hurries on the quarterback maybe some sacks there he had the first one against Seattle I believe so that's just another thing that offenses have to think about and in that rotation you want to have as many guys as possible especially like we were saying earlier Cleo Mack Roquan Smith are still getting that conditioning down and probably Aaron Lynch as well but when the defense getting tired you need someone um, who maybe is a little bit more fresh and maybe because Aaron Lynch hasn't played as much, he's more fresh, but I think, you know, conditioning always helps with that, but having another guy, there's never anything wrong with that. So another playmaker for Vic Fangio to use, and this was a, you know, an opportunity for Aaron Lynch. And I think he's making the most of it so far through two games. He just needs to stay healthy and hopefully he can do that. But Brandon, that was our last question of the night. I mean, these questions, I'm we're so happy to be doing this. And we were just checking, uh, you know, the voicemail line to see who's submitting questions and they just keep on coming. So, I mean, we just want to say thank you again for giving us this opportunity to do this once a week because we plan on doing it for the entirety of the year. Yes, absolutely. So before we head out. If you want to hear yourself on our audio mailbag podcast, all you got to do is call 872-240-4007 and leave a voicemail. And the number again is 872-240-4007. Just ask your question and the best ones could appear on our next audio mailbag podcast. But that's going to do it for tonight's episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Moriano, and joined by Brandon Hazlett. And make sure to tune in for tomorrow's preview show against the Arizona Cardinals. It'll be a good one, especially because we're expecting some big things from the Bears against a struggling Arizona Cardinals team. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.